0: On this episode of The Lifestyle Herbalist, we will be discussing a very important topic that has been getting a lot of attention, hair loss. Today, Dabney and I are excited to welcome Dr. Vashna Sathanathan, naturopathic doctor at Silver Spruce Naturopathic Clinic in Markham, Ontario. Dr. Vashna enjoys seeing patients of all ages and health concerns, as well as offering IV therapy to patients of the clinic. She has a special interest in women's health, including pediatrics, fertility, and hormones. Her treatment approach focuses on individualized care and combines clinical nutrition, botanical medicine, acupuncture, and lifestyle counseling to help her patients achieve their optimal health. Let's welcome Dr. Vashna. Hi everyone, we have Adabney and Sabrina and Dr. Vashna and we're excited to talk about this really um, important topic that has become a hot topic, hair loss, and um, Dr. Vashna is well versed in this area and so um, I guess we just should start and know how you became interested in um, women's health and hormonal shifts and how you became interested in, in this topic or in this area.
1: So certainly, thank you, Serena. Thank you for having me. So uh, my name is Dr. Vashna. I'm a licensed and regulated naturopathic doctor here in Ontario. Uh, So just a little bit of background on naturopathic medicine. Naturopathic medicine incorporates a variety of modalities, so we are looking at incorporating nutrition, diet and lifestyle, botanical medicine, acupuncture, and as well as some some doctors also look at IV therapy and bioidentical hormones to look at the root cause of what's going on in the body. So, for example, the easiest way I can say it is, you know, in relation to hair loss, certainly topically, there may be hair that you are losing, and you may think it's a product that you're using, but it may simply not be that it may be something deeper underlying, such as a nutritional deficiency or something along the lines of perhaps there is something systemic going on. So naturopathic medicine uses the same tools that you would conventionally see your family doctor or general physician, but our approach is to use natural remedies to see what the underlying cause is. And so in regards to women's health, um, it is a topic that comes up often. My interest in women's health and fertility stemmed from seeing my own family use natural remedies when they got sick. And particularly when I um, became a young woman and I had my menstrual cycle, my mom often would resort to natural therapies to help relieve a cramp instead of you know, using Advil or Tylenol, for example. And so that's when my curiosity began to percolate, per se, into what else is going on in a woman's body. And That led me to pursue my undergraduate education at the University of Waterloo in biomedical science. And I went on to pursue my four year doctorate degree at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, and eventually that landed me into women's health and fertility. So a lot of my passion today lies in helping women uh, achieve and understand what's going on, because oftentimes you hear you go into a medical doctor's office, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, but you're not fine, or you're losing hair and it's not just regular hair loss. There is something going out when your hair is coming out in clumps, or it's coming out earlier than you expected, or it's not growing in. So oftentimes, I love working with people to really understand what's going on to get to the root cause. And with women's health, we are so often dismissed as it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, but it's not. And that is where, you know, we come in to say, okay, well, what else is going on? What can we get into it? And how can we investigate what that cause of concern is?
0: I love that you say that, you know, all these symptoms that were kind of dismissed. I I always say in every podcast, everybody thinks it's normal. Like it's my thing, you know, because sometimes we do, or people will be like, oh, it's just age or it's just being a woman, or this is just part of the transition. But like you said, it's nice to know that we have somewhere to go to find and work with the root problems and and what's really going
1: on. Right. Yeah. And just yesterday even I had a patient that said, is it normal that I have this symptom? I said, well, are you having this symptom? She goes, yes. I said, well, then it is normal for your body to have this symptom. So when we're displaced, said, this is not normal. This is not, this shouldn't be the case. But if you are experiencing it, if it is valid to you, then it is certainly something that we need to address, whether or not it is normal or abnormal. If it's right. something you're experiencing, um, it should be addressed. Do
2: you think medical um, Western medicine, per se, is more... Um... What's the word I want to say? More handcuffed to um, just certain blood tests, and if things don't show up in their certain tests, then they just don't know what to do, and so they just dismiss the patient as maybe it's you know fibromyalgia or maybe it's psychological or you know they just look for other ways that they could like write a script um, rather than getting to the root cause. Um, what do you think is the the biggest difference in Western medicine versus more allopathic? I think not necessarily that it's
1: left un, un, uncharted territories, but it's often like what you don't know, you don't know. And sometimes in conventional care, there's a bit of a of, um, a bridging gap that naturopathic medicine allows for us to bridge both sides. I always tell patients, you don't. There's not one or the other. You, need a blend of both. But sometimes it's a matter of opening that door and taking a look to see what's behind that. And oftentimes, particularly here in Ontario, we have um, what's called OHIP that is providing care. And so sometimes there, what I explain to patients is there's criteria that doctors have to follow under OHIP um, in order to look into an investigation. So for example, if we're looking into your thyroid, oftentimes you know they'll run one value. Um, and that's kind of what OHIP allows us quote unquote to do. But sometimes there's deeper things that we want to take a look of. So it's just often opening, you know, that gray area and saying yes this is how things have always been done but perhaps there's another way to look at things and looking at you know first and foremost diet and lifestyle i think is something that has been left uncharted territories for quite some time and to go back and say you know perhaps there are smaller things that we can go and do and tweaks we can make and so you need a blend of both you need to have i think both aspects both providers there and what they do or what the goal is, is for you to get everyone working together to really understand and for you to advocate for your health. I think that's often the missing piece where, you know, we're, we're told, OK, this is what it is, but we're left to kind of be like, all right, that's OK. And, but if it doesn't feel OK for you and if it's not um, addressing those things, then we need to advocate and say, OK, what else is there that can be done? Um
0: Well, and on that, like, I mean, as women, we go through our transitions, right? And I think that there's always things that we kind of address, we want to address. And I know that, you know, we do have a certain amount of hair that we do lose daily, um, a certain amount, I guess, Um, but- why do we, in during our time, like women's time or hormonal, I don't know, maybe men too, I'm not sure if that's that's hormonally for them as well, but does hair loss occur and when does it
1: become a concern? Like when should we look more into it? That's a great question. So oftentimes hair loss is natural. You are supposed to lose hairs. You lose anywhere between 50 to 100 hairs a day. When it starts to become a concern is when you're in the shower and you're noticing more so that clumps are falling out, or there are certain patches or areas of hair loss occurring where we're not seeing regrowth. So generally, you do lose about 50 to 100 hairs. It's natural to see hair come out. The concern becomes if we're seeing clumps of hair fall out or areas on the scalp where we're seeing now a pattern of hair loss where it starts as a little patch, and it's, for example, getting bigger. And really, the biggest issue with women's health, I think, happens is shift in hormones. With men, you know, more or less... Hormones are a bit of a different story with women. Hormones change. So they change due from stress. They change from nutrition. They change from um, entering menopause. They change from having children. There are various changes that our body goes through in a very short amount of period when you look at it, you know, between 20 to 50, 30 years. It's not, you know, when you live for 80, 30 years is not a huge amount of time, though it is a big gap. There's a lot of quick shifts that happen. And so oftentimes when these shifts happen and we see hair loss occurring, you know, that becomes a kind of a question mark. I didn't have this a year ago. Why do I have this now? But perhaps there's something different now that you're experiencing. Your postpartum, your menses is now becoming longer. You're entering perimenopause. You've changed your diet. You're now doing keto example. And so uh, oftentimes one size doesn't fit all for hair loss. It's multifactorial in nature and it's multifactorial between each person. So what you may be experiencing for hair loss may not be the same root cause as what I'm experiencing. And I often find that when, you know, patients go to, Their family doctor, unfortunately, um, sometimes our conventional system is not equipped to handle hair loss as like a main concern. And it's often like, oh, yes, hair loss occurs. You'll deal with it. But if it's starting to come out in clumps or you're seeing, you know, patches of your area of the of your in your area of your scalp come out and not regrow, then that's when it becomes a concern.
0: And so, like, if you know, you're just washing your hair and stuff. Like, you know, sometimes you have it on your hands. You kind of like are like, oh, like, what's happening here? Exactly. That's, that's okay, or is that something you <laughs> should so, yeah, so start to like, kind of think so- about? Or hair thinning?
1: yeah so it's like almost as if so there's a few different approaches there's like thinning hair which is often a concern there's hair loss um that occurs and there's almost like like patches or alopecia where it comes out in clumps and so depending on where you are if you're finding that your hair is suddenly thinning you used to be able to kind of wrap your ponytail around twice versus now you're wrapping it four or five times or you could um you used to be able to just you know put your hair down and not really feel that it was thin, but now you can kind of see strands and it doesn't look as luscious as it once was. That's you know certainly one concern. Um, or if you, when you, when you shower, the best way to tell patients is if you were to collect your hair and you know, you generally, you pull your, you know, you pull, you toss your hair, you, you, you wash your hair. And if your hair comes out, in clumps. So clumps would mean like almost if you see like a pet, you know, when you comb a, a dog or you comb a pet and you see clumps. Like if you're starting okay. to see that where you can collect it in your hand, you can close your fist, then we're concerned, right? Why is it coming out? But one of the biggest concerns I see is thinning hair that eventually leads to hair loss. So we often don't want to wait until we have lost certain um Amount of hair in in areas of scalp, once you see it thin, or for example, in the front forehead, if you begin to see hair receding or patches of hair um, right at the top of the scalp, then we want to address it. So, the sooner we address it, the better we allow for regrowth to happen. We don't want to wait till it's completely wiped out. We want to begin to address it once we start seeing it. So, if you're noticing like more than your regular, you know, strands of hair coming out, that's a concern. Or if you can, like, Some people will like wash the hair and they can pull it all at the end. And, you know, as the hair, if it's getting bigger and not smaller, that little clump of hair that falls out, then we're concerned. Or if you brush your hair and just by brushing your hair, you're bringing out large clumps or more hair that you're used to, not even clumps, then we're concerned. So when you start to see a bit more hair loss than your quote unquote usual, that's when you want to ensure that you address it. And it can be at any stage in time of your life. Sometimes patients think I have to be in X stage, or I've heard after postpartum, I've lost hair. Well, that's, but for myself, I'm losing hair while pregnant. Then we want to begin to address perhaps if there's a deficiency that's occurring while you're pregnant that's beginning to have hair loss occur, or is it hormonal um, perimenopause, And we need to address those shifts before it really turns into a bigger concern.
2: So is it possible that it you have um, shifts in your life where, hair comes out and then it stops for a while. And then maybe 10, 15 years later, you enter another stage of life and it can happen again. Does it kind of wax and wane that way? It can for certain angels. So for so for postpartum,
1: like pregnancies is one example. Your patients um going, you know, in various stages of getting pregnant, whether they're going through fertility treatments and they notice some hair loss occurring from medications, then it regrows and or Having children, you often hear in the first four months postpartum, your hair comes out, and that's just because of the hormonal changes. It can come back. Um, I've also had cases where they've done very big nutritional changes drastically. Um, And for example, like the ketogenic diet, or if you're doing very fast um, changes to your diet where you're suddenly Um, losing nutrients that you were once getting, you can start to see loss occur, but you can certainly replenish them. And we have seen cases where patients have made those changes. And I always say it's not an overnight fix. And I think that's something that we have to keep in mind, that at least we need three to six months, we know hair turnover takes at least 120 days for us to begin to see baby hair. So the first thing I tell patients is what we want to see once you start losing hair, the first goal is we want to see, okay, we have lost hair, now we want to start lose, stop losing as much as we did. That's step number one. So if we start to see the pattern slowing, step number one, we're on the right path. Step number two, we want to see baby hairs occur. So if we start to see little spikes, you know, almost like a baby, for example, then we know we're on the right path. And so in that three month window, once we start to see baby hairs occur, even little sparse amounts occur, then we know that we begin to address that follicular growth and we're seeing hair occur. Then step, you know, step number three in that six month window is the hair continuing to grow. And if we see the hair continue to grow, then we know we're on the right path. So so oftentimes patients think, you know, it's going to be a sudden switch, I'm going to flip a switch and I'm going to make it grow. But whether or not you're using um, conventional or non-conventional means, you need to give the body at least three months for that turnover to occur. And during those three months, what we're looking at is the slowing of hair loss or, or hair loss occurring. So that's why we say, once you start to see thinning hair or you start to see receding hairlines or you start to see the smaller changes occur, that's when we want to act on it. We don't want to wait until it's too late.
0: Yeah, that, like, that answers a lot of my questions because I was like mm-hmm. gonna be like, does it? can you prevent it? Are we able to prevent it? And you know, can we reverse it and I guess, the answer is somewhat yes. If you get to us, if you're at a, a beginning stage, I guess maybe it, if it gets too far, if there's other um, things that are, 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 in, you know, affecting the hair loss, it might not be right. Like the case. Is well, that if,
1: you, if, you're, if for or... example, there has been alopecia where I've had patients for many years occur. Like if you've been, um, alopecia means loss of hair and I've had patients that have loss of hair throughout their scalp and it's been, you know, over five, 10 years in that case, then that may not be um, something that we can reverse. But what I always tell patients is if you begin to see it, that's why we want to begin to act on it. Um, if we're five to 10, 15 years out, then you know that's a bit of a different case because the follicle is in a different life stage. So the sooner we are to act on it, the better the results we see.
2: Dr. Bashna, you mentioned um, the ketogenic diet. And I remember it triggered a memory from one of my dental hygiene patients who was on this ketogenic diet for um, about a year and a half. And um, anyway, and she came in for her routine care. I was asking her about her ketogenic diet. She goes, Oh no, I had to give that up. Like I started losing my hair. My nails got all brittle. She says that just did not work for me. So she got off of it. So for at least her she did recognize that she was noticing some significant hair losses enough that she stopped the diet. And I have seen that in some cases so not not like blanketing that
1: keto will lead to hair loss. but I do think unfortunately, unfortunately, it goes two ways. there are definitely big diet shifts that we're seeing in today's population, which is good. I think the awareness is key. We need to be aware that what we're eating has a direct impact on how our body reacts. And I always tell patients if you take all and you're putting it in your mouth, and you're expecting it to help with your headache. The same goes for food. If you're putting an item in your mouth, it's going to have a reaction, and your body is going to react to it. I think sometimes we separate food as like, it's not going to harm me, or it's not going to make a difference, or it's not going to create change in a negative way, It's only positive way, but it can go both ways, right? So I often think that When you're looking at diet changes, it's always good to consult with a healthcare provider before you make those changes and run some baseline blood work. Like, if you, so for example, I have seen ketogenic diet in the case um, for one patient. For some patients, it's great. For this one patient, it wasn't. And I think there was just a real shift in her amount of iron. Um, intake that she was doing because when you're thinking of ketogenic diet for example it's more of a high fat diet that you're looking at right and so you're sometimes you are getting meat but not meat from the right sources or not iron from the right nutrients so you're losing a lot of those um, key nutrients from other foods that you're beginning to uh, omit so I always tell patients there are, it is good to have awareness. It is good to make diet and lifestyle changes, but it has to be individualized for you and right. unfortunately not for TikTok or Instagram. Yeah. So it's always good to just, before you begin to make those diet changes, consult a healthcare provider, run some baseline blood work, look at your nutrient values, look at your electrolytes, look at your complete blood count, make sure that those are all addressed. And then you can slowly begin to shift and make those changes Then perhaps in three months, reassess, have you achieved those goals from that diet? So for example, I think there was a big push on ketogenic diet a few years ago for weight loss. And in three months, if you're, for example, gaining weight rather than losing weight, then maybe that's not the right diet for you. But I think oftentimes we jump in sometimes without looking at the baseline and then we're like oh no that was you know the missing piece so um for a patient once it was the fact that the iron was super low and that wasn't being um, repleted with this new type of diet and unfortunately she was not able to replete her iron while being on this diet for quite some time until it was too late Um, so I have seen cases of that not just with keto happens with other diets for example as well so I think ensuring that we run baseline that it's right for you and that you reassess if something's not working in three months time period take a look to see okay what else is it that i may need to address
0: on the topic of then hair loss if is there you know something that we can do to you know prevent or um strengthen the hair naturally so that we can avoid or not get to that point where we are in the shower and we look down and we have like a pool of hair on the bottom of the thing and we're like oh my gosh like what is happening
1: yeah. um is there something we can do to, to to prevent There's that's a great question I think always ensuring that you are being mindful of the amount of hair you're losing sometimes often you know you you hope it gets better before it gets worse and so if you are noticing changes and like and I would say again over four like I always give three months as my baseline but Within a three-month period, let's say at about, you know, week two, you're like, oh, this is strange. I'm losing a little more. And it's, uh, you know, there's no other changes I'm making. And then, you know, maybe it was a hormonal shift with your mentees. And then your hair comes back to where it usually is and you aren't losing so much. Okay, hormonally, great. Maybe that was just a bit of a shift and things go back normal, great. But if you're seeing, like, at a three-week to four-week to six-week mark, things are not getting better, then it's always good to go into your primary care provider and assess what it could be. Um, and then number two, taking a look at your products. I had one patient that recently um, advised that she switched her shampoo and then for some reason kept sticking with it. She's like, maybe it would just get better. And it didn't. So taking a look at your um, shampoo products and seeing you know, what ingredients are in there, what ingredients you want to be mindful of and perhaps if there is a switch that you made and you're noticing hair loss stop and reevaluate don't just stick with it thinking things will get better because oftentimes if your body or your your hair is showing that sign that it's not it's not going to get better um so taking first a look at your day-to-day hair loss pattern and if you're you're again you're meant to lose 50 to 100 hairs that's completely normal But if it's coming out in clumps or you're seeing more than your usual or you're brushing your hair and you're seeing it just continually fall, stop and address it. Or if you're noticing that your hair is beginning to thin, then we need to address it. So oftentimes, With hair, it's not that it will get better, it's just we need to make those shifts to get it better. And so that's number one. Number two is taking a look at the products that you're using. And number three, taking a look at your environment. So perhaps we need to look at your shower head. Maybe it's the hard water. Maybe it's we need to put a filter on it. Um, Are you letting your hair dry naturally? Are you blow drying it after using products or just letting it have a rest day? I always tell patients, you know, have a few rest days. You have rest days for exercise, give your hair some rest days. well like how what um in your environment how much stress is your hair going under are you blow drying it seven days a week are using products seven days a week are you letting it breathe by just wearing it down or in a claw clip or is it always tight in a tight ponytail throughout the week because you just want it out of your way Um, So taking a look at your hair environment, quote unquote. Um, And number four, nutritionally, we want to always take a look at your body to see are we meeting the nutritional needs, right? Your scalp is, is an extension of your skin is how I say it. So if your scalp is not getting the nutrition it needs from your body, it's not going to be able to support your hair to allow for growth oftentimes we think as a scalp as a separate entity but think of it just like your face if your face is not healthy and vital chances are your scalp may not be as healthy and vital so nutritionally what can we look to address And from there that often digs deeper roots into perhaps there is deficiencies perhaps there is malnutrition your body may not be absorbing nutrients perhaps there is a deeper infection that maybe you're something more systemic in nature that may be going on and for those when you are looking at those roots it's good to bring in a primary health care provider rather than just kind of walk into a store and just say oh i'm just going to try this hair growth supplement see how it is i always say you know kitchen sink works in some cases but it doesn't work in all cases so you really want to make sure that you're individualized and you know even though down the street your neighbor may be doing x that may not be good for your y so take a look to see what um, else is going on by bringing in a provider that can do that investigation for you.
2: I never realized that products I was using on my hair could be damaging to them or well like shampoos let's say um, but I never realized that shampoos could actually be bad for my hair or my scalp. How is that? Is it the chemicals in them? What, it, what is it about them? It certainly could be. So again, it could be the chemicals in them that are aggravating your scalp.
1: So for example, for some patients, hair dye that contains formaldehyde, that can lead to thinning hair and hair loss, right? So maybe you want to take a look at, you know, if you're dyeing your hair, what's what are the products in there? Does it contain something that may be aggravating your hair? Um, if you're using shampoo, do you want to perhaps look at something that's um, not as irritating to your scalp? Maybe it could be that the fact that you just simply need to go fragrance free and switching your fragrance to fragrance free product may help maybe switching to a product that um, is sulfite free can help Um, and so sometimes there is thought that there is certain ingredients in shampoo products that you're using may not be good for your scalp it may be more irritating but perhaps you know for your neighbor down the street could be okay so it's always good to kind of read the labels take a look to see if there is something that is aggravating your scalp something's you know like I said I think one of my patients said they were using a product with apple cider vinegar in it, like a shampoo. And for some people, apple cider vinegar is great. For her scalp, it really dried it out and it led to more hair loss. And so, simply switching out the product or shampoo that had apple cider vinegar into shampoo that didn't was a good switch for her and you know, it can create a bit of a shift. So it's always good to read the ingredients and see if perhaps there is a switch that you can make. Um, to start with and give it, like I mentioned, giving your hair a rest day. Um, You always don't need to use products or style it every single day. So I say, you know, choose a weekend or or a weekday and just give your hair a day where you're just simply washing it but not using so much product on it because it's also the weight of the product on the scalp and on the hair follicle that can create um, issues with regards to hair loss and hair thinning.
2: Yeah, so uh, just a follow up question. How would a person know if a shampoo is irritating to them? What are the, what are the signs? so that's a great question so
1: oftentimes they'll use the shampoo so let's say you switch a shampoo and i patients you can try switching and just seeing how your hair does if you notice that you feel your scalp feels more irritated it feels drier it feels itchier it feels inflamed it's almost like if you were sometimes you go to you know a, a makeup store like sephora and you use a product you can tell it feels irritating on your hand when you test try it same thing with the shampoo if you're switching a shampoo you're switching a conditioner Do a test spot at first before you put your whole scalp through it and see how it feels. If it feels irritated, dry, itchy, inflamed, it's probably not the right shampoo for you. Or if you're using a shampoo product over a three to four week period and you're noticing more hair loss occurring, then that's likely not the right shampoo for you. And so it's good to just always test try and test patch your your products or your conditioner or your hair products before you use it over your whole scalp. Yeah. And I know that there used to, there was a thing with everybody
0: doing collagen for a while, like taking collagen and bio and all these things like for hair growth and nail growth. And people would be like claims like, Oh, my nails are growing so fast in my hair. And, and then everybody was on the bandwagon, you know? And I was like, I don't know if, Like these people are really educated to be telling everyone what to take, but, you know, um, and like you said, they start taking it and then they realize themselves that maybe it wasn't quite for them just because it was a fad or whatever. Right. So not to say that collagen isn't good for you. I'm just saying like, you know, in doses or how much you're taking, it could be the factor as well, right. For what you
1: need, you might be getting it elsewhere. And exactly. Or, you know, when are you taking it? Are you taking it? Are you taking it with the medication that shouldn't be interacting with it? Um, so, you know, just because I always say it, it works for one person, unfortunately, it doesn't work for another. And when are you taking it? How are you taking it? Um, like something like collagen, uh, not all collagen is stable to be dumped into coffee. It can denature in really hot uh, liquids. So is your collagen one that can withstand that temperature or not? And so that's where speaking with a naturopathic doctor or healthcare provider to really take a look at the collagen source is important. And same thing with biotin or biocell. You know, there's a huge um, push about biotin or biocell, but that can... For some individuals impact their hormones so um not just walking in taking any supplement off of that off a health food store is going to really shift your hair growth because just because it's natural doesn't mean it's safe and i always say the dose creates the poison right like if, if you have you know if, if you have 600 apples your tummy's gonna hurt versus just having one apple <laughs> it's <the easiest> <laughs> don't <say>. overdo it <laughs> <laughs> don't overdo it and your dose for your dose may be different than another person's dose, right? Someone that is six foot five and 250 pounds is going to have a very different dose than someone that is five foot two and a hundred and three pounds. So you also want to make sure that uh, you're taking whatever nutritional support, whatever medications that's appropriate for you um, and not just walking and taking anything um, to really help with hair growth.
2: It's interesting. I had two ladies this week. Um, I'm a, I still work couple of days a week as a dental hygienist. I had two ladies this week. They were, one was 90. The other one was in her upper eighties, but both of them told me that they started taking this biotin because their nails are so brittle. And someone mm-hmm. told them to take biotin. And so now I'm so I added that to their health history. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think society does seem to go on these big crazes and we like, everybody is shifted to collagen. Everybody's using collagen. Now it's biotin. And so there's these these huge shifts where people just overdo looking for the magic magic pill, I guess.
1: Yeah, I wish there was a magic pill. It'd be it'd make like, <laughs> my job so much easier. <laughs> But and there is no magic pill because there is no one body that's exactly like another body. If you even look at twins, fraternal or identical, right? They, there's still differences in each individual. So unfortunately, there's no one magic pill that every individual can use. And so you often your patients come in and say that, you know, everyone said to do biotin, but... If you've had like a history, for example, of um, thyroid imbalances or thyroid hormones, biotin may not be right for you because that can impact the thyroid hormone. If you're taking certain medications and you're doing it at the same time that you're taking your collagen, collagen may not be right for you at that time of day. And so you want to make sure that you're always um, looking at yourself as an individual, looking at your biochemistry through blood work, speaking with a healthcare provider to reevaluate your medications and and your supplements, rather just walking in than taking a product off the
2: shelf right and so it's many really people great. do because it's readily available it's readily available and it's natural so it's right. fine right right <laughs> it's, it's and, nice and no harm no harm
1: <laughs> yeah and no harm but um again um It's always good just to double check with your healthcare provider before you start taking something um, because it's easy to make that again switch at the beginning and be proactive rather than be reactive uh, to something that you're doing and realize that it it is not creating the changes that you wanted.
2: I was really interested to know what specific hormones um, really plague or disrupt hair follicle growth and are there specific ones that cause uh, hair loss more than others? That's a great question. So there
1: is, I would say it's always good um, to assess your baseline hormonal health um, anytime in your life, because your hormones are always changing. And so oftentimes, if we begin to see shifts early in your life, that's when we want to begin to make those shifts. If we see those changes later in your life, we can always make those shifts as well. Uh, But the more um, active we are in being proactive about our health, the better. I always tell patients when you're working with your primary health care provider, it's good to take a look at your nutritional health. So like look at your vitamin D levels, your vitamin B12, run an iron panel. Take a look at those B- big three that can often be um, related to hair loss concerns that we see clinically in practice. Um, so along with the iron, the vitamin D, the B12, Investigating your thyroid hormones, speaking with your provider, and doing a full thyroid panel to take a look at um, your thyroid health, because that can often lead to hair hair shifts when we have imbalances in our thyroid. Um, And then also speaking with your healthcare provider, looking at running your female hormones, and depending on where you are in your menstrual journal, menstrual journey, not journal, you may want to take a look at running them at certain points in your cycle. So if you're post menopause, you know that doesn't um t- take into effect but if you're perimenopause or you have a menses, we may want to take a look at your hormones in different cycles cuz that can also be a-, a culprit so a full female hormonal panel thyroid panel Iron, vitamin D, vitamin B12 um, are good starting points. And even if you're open to taking a look at your electrolytes to see making sure that everything is balanced. Oftentimes, it's interesting to see clinically how, as a population, we are sometimes low in certain electrolytes that you think we have that can also lead to shifts in your your health. And then lastly, running a CBC count. And I always tell patients, when you're doing blood work, don't forget to do your annual physical. I think it's something we often so... Um, put so much at the bottom of the, of, of, our, of our to-do list. And by simply being proactive and running your blood work with your healthcare provider on a yearly basis or every two years, you can catch those early enough before they become an issue. Hmm. So not necessarily certain hormones create uh, hair loss, but if you're seeing imbalances in your hormones or in your nutritional status, that can certainly um, create those shifts for hair loss or hair thinning. Thank you but you don't have to live with it is what I always say. And so many patients say, I thought this was my normal. This is not normal. Um, it's not normal to lose your hair, to have thinning hair. Um, sometimes there is a genetic component, but oftentimes we can work on it. So often uh, don't settle for it. We can be proactive about it and we can investigate.
2: Yeah. How many patients have you experienced um, post COVID with long COVID? I've, I've known, even myself included, about three months after I had COVID, I started noticing how much hair was coming away from me up in the shower. Like there was a lot more than I was used to, and my hairdresser actually said that it happened. She's noticed it a lot with people who've had COVID. How has that? How how does that affect you? Um, like long term? You
1: know? It's still something that we're you know truly I think investigating uh to this day and i think just seeing how things are going um you know there are some studies that have shown that you know as high as i think 68 percent of patients report hair loss an increase in hair loss after covid um i think we're still early in our phases after covid um to to say what's what, what it is that caused this hair shedding. We do know that stress um, can impact your hair loss and hair shedding. And COVID is a very big stressful event for certain bodies and certain people. Um, but I think we are now seeing it in larger shifts to be like it is valid. We do see it. Patients have reported it. Um, but we can work on repairing that hair loss that has occurred, oftentimes to re by readdressing the body and um stabilizing the body's health post COVID. But yes, I do see it. I, I would have to take a look to see, you know, what percentage of it. But I would say I do hear and you're honestly from those that have had COVID in that population, I would say 30 to 40% do report some sort of hair loss. Oftentimes though it's like, you know, way down on the list of long haul symptoms. So you hear about it much later. Um, but it would be, now that we know that we're seeing it, be interesting if we could ever track that data, but we're kind of, uh, we're a long ways out from it and hopefully just not going to have a repeat event of it. Um, but it, it is a symptom that we do see after um, COVID occurrences. And it is, something that we can work on so just because you've lost your hair from it um, doesn't mean that it's gone forever
2: yeah I mean it only lasted for a couple of months personally for me and then I noticed it was it slowed down significantly and I think I have the baby hairs that you were speaking about um, that I noticed that was coming back through and for some reason those little gray ones just poked straight up (laughs) it's the one you see first <laughs> why can't it be a brown one but no it's the gray one that goes straight up
1: <laughs> straight up or straight down if it's coming we can work with it as well as I'm like, we just want it to come if it comes that's the good sign right so, Right. yeah we um, want to see it straight up because then we know it's there <laughs> because that's often the first thing I used to like like baby hairs. I'm like, this is what we wanted. We want this baby hair. Um, but it's great to hear that you start to see it uh, come back. And that's a sign that, you know, your body is beginning to heal. Um, the body is such a temple and that, you know, it can take in so much, but it can also um, repair so much. And we have to honor that. We have to honor that temple and honor that body and realize it can only withstand so much before we need to help it. So I'm glad to hear you're doing better. and
2: continue. Oh now. yeah, definitely. Thank you. It's been a great, a great
0: uh, educational piece. Been a great um, little time that we've had with you and we've learned so much. And I just want to ask if there was one thing that people could take away from this conversation today that would be useful for them to maybe help strengthen their hair or um, one tip that, you know, I know we said it's not a one size fit all, but something that we could just to do with part of our lives or, or bring into our lives to help, um, help with that hair uh, prevent hair loss um, what would it be
1: I think I've said this a few times before but really- I know you
0: probably did but no
1: no But no. <laughs> so, well, one big takeaway a hair rest, day. a hair rest day okay. we over process we use um, a lot of products on our hair we often use heat on our hair so I always tell patients like you know give your hair a sabbath wash it air dry it let it have one day you have a vest where you're not using product. If you need to, throw it up in a like a loose claw clip. Try not to use like a tight ponytail. When you think of your hair follicle, it, it circulates and it moves around in different places. So I always say approach your Sabbath with a nice hair massage. You can use a little bit of castor oil with some rosemary oil. Mm. Um, give your hair a nice little scalp massage, um, starting from the forehead in circular motions, m- moving from the front to the back. And I give it about an hour or two. Wash it out like you normally would. Um, you may need to do two rounds of shampoo just because castor oil is very thick. Um, but it's been found to be effective for hair growth, um, as well as rosemary oil for stimulating the follicles under the hair. So do your little sabbat. Start with a little massage if you're open to it. You just need a little bit of castor oil, two, one of two drops of rosemary oil for your entire scalp. Um, massage it. Keep it for a few hours or even overnight if you can. And just be aware that your pillow you know you're putting something down on your pillow to keep it protected wash it out the next day and let it rest and whether it's a Sunday or Saturday or day that you're working from home I think we are very harsh on our scalp as a You know, I'm guilty of it, too. But um, if you try and give it a day of rest to allow that follicle just to sit in its normal position, to not be stressed and teased and pulled and saturated in different products, that can make all the difference. And so sometimes even just telling patients, you have your hair in a really tight ponytail seven days a week. Have you thought about putting a clock clip or keeping it loose or giving a day of rest can make a really big difference for it? So something we don't think about, but I I call it a hair Sabbath or rest day or whatever you want to call it. That's something that we can easily incorporate. And then I often tell patients, regardless of hair loss or hair thinning, just get your physical done um, every year, every two years, run your baseline blood work. Cause oftentimes the hair is, or um, often is a, is a window into the rest of our health. So if you're starting to lose hair, that's not normal. And oftentimes, you know, there is something down the road that we're not addressing. So it, don't sit with it, get it addressed sooner rather than later. So sorry, two pieces of advice. <laughs> We'll take
0: more. I was going to say, and if, you know, you've offered so much advice and if anybody would like to do a consult or I get more information or has questions um, where can they reach out to you or where can they find you?
1: So I'm located in Markham, Ontario, uh, Canada. So I'm at Silver Spruce Naturopathic. Um, so it's, uh, it's www.silverspruce.ca. They pop on the website there. You can always um, give me a shout uh, and you can reach us by email or by phone. Um, and so that's usually the easiest way to find me. And I'd be happy to speak with you further and investigate what may be going on. And like, it's like you say, it's a, I really like it, it's a passion of mine. I see it come up so much in practice and I think advocating and working on your health is something that I'm so passionate for for others as well wow thank
0: you thank so. you so much for coming with us and joining us coming. today and uh we look forward to maybe having you on again for a different topic something I would love to-, to
1: this is like such a, a nice round little, table you know, Friday afternoon chat basking in the sunshine so thank you so much for having thank me it's an honor to join you all today Thank
0: you. And we'll uh, see you on the next episode of the Lifestyle Herbalists. Bye for now. Yes. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Lifestyle Herbalist. Please note that the information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the guidance of your healthcare provider or qualified professional before making any lifestyle changes or decisions based on the information shared in this podcast. The hosts and guests of this podcast are not responsible for any actions taken by individuals as a result of the information presented.